Is this going to start working? Wonderful. So Stan and the team are um, at Lighthouse Church. I think they're going to put some pictures up. He's gone with the Megan and Jason Keith's home group um, to Lighthouse Church. They meet in the city um, down in, on, on the Marine Parade. Um, oh, shame, are they trying to find those two pictures? There we go. There they are um, with Noah and Jason and Megan. I don't know where the rest of the people are. There we go. That's them all meeting down there. We have such a privilege at Glenridge Church that we have, um, we fulfill an apostolic role as a community and as a church, um, and we get to go and minister in other churches. So that's where Stan is today. He's gone down there to minister, so we were a bit split up. So yeah, I get the privilege of ministering here today. Um, so yeah, I really was so excited last week when Stan um, spoke about the armor of God and part of what his um, focus was is he said when we were clothed with the armor of God, we are called to stand on the high ground and pray clothed in the armor. And it tied in so beautifully with what I'd felt after we'd um, been away and it started percolating in me. And I'd been asking the question, what are we standing on? Um, and that is the question that I'm sort of going to be speaking through today. And I've done it in a little bit of a story form, so I hope you will come along the journey with me. Um, Desh is going to be helping us through the little story of my couple of photographs um, just from our journey. Um, and I, um, as, we, as you know, many of you know, we, were, we had the privilege of going to Israel. And um, one of the things that started percolating in me while I was there is we saw a lot of rocks, a lot of stones, a lot of rocks in the middle of the desert, everywhere. And I wasn't sure if it was because it was so hot um, and I had my hat on all the time and the glare was glaring off all these rocks and these stones. But it started percolating in me and I just was reminded, you know in Sunday school where you had these memory verses that you remembered all the time and in youth and you know all the things about God being our rock and standing on the rock all those scriptures just started coming back to me as I was walking um, many of you saw the photographs of me following Stan all the time in Israel behind I saw that ridiculous red bag of his you know following behind him all the time um, that was most of my holiday actually was following behind him are you coming are you coming yes I'm coming following my little legs trying to keep up with his legs but um, it, uh, it really was um, something that really God started stirring inside me. So when he spoke about standing last week, I thought, oh, God, you're so kind because now I'm preaching this week. And that's the question I wanted to pose to us. So that's our beautiful Drakensberg. So it's not an Israel picture. It's a Drakensberg picture in the background. And the question I want to pose to us today is what are you standing on? And um, we had a wonderful time in the prayer meeting before. Um, somebody prayed and said they felt like today was going to be like a turning point for some people. And um, felt like, you know, if, if for some of us we're not sure what we're standing on, or if some people are feeling like what they're standing on is shaking, I'm praying today that today our, fit, our feet would be sure, your, your footing would be made sure today. Um, that you would understand what you are standing on. There were a couple of words also that came out of the prayer meeting about our anchors. What are our anchors anchored in? 
And um, I pray today that, that today we would, we would know for sure what our anchors are anchored in, um, in today. So when you travel back to Jerusalem, you enter into this world of diversity. Um, many would know that it is an incredible world of invention, of advancement. Um, you're surrounded by incredible archaeology as well as incredible invention. Um, and they are, um, obviously, they themselves struggle with the, with the problems of overpopulation, of new worlds happening, as well as being um, the most archaeologically per square foot country that is being explored. So they have the modern and the old working together all the time. So they have this problem of having to have, how do they, how do they um, preserve the past and build for the future? So that's their problem. So you'll find places where you'll have these brand new freeways being built right next to the ruins. And, and it's quite like a contrast. So you'll be seeing these things, you'll be driving on these freeways with all this modern technology and a brand new bus and you'll look right next to the freeway and you'll see these old ruins from ancient centuries past. And you realize this is the diversity and this is the, the problems that they are facing all the time. Um, and, and it was quite a contrast all the time. You, you, as I say, there's the modern freeway, the modern rocks, the modern tarmac, and the ancient ruins, the ancient rocks right next to you all the time. You're surrounded by history and culture. Um, the city of Jerusalem itself has been torn down twice to the ground, first by the Byzantiums and second by the Romans. Um, and they, obviously the second time it was torn down um, by Herod, the second temple was torn down and all that was left was the base of the second temple, which is the Wailing Wall that people now go and visit. Um, and it makes you understand and it makes you think about foundations. Um, and I think um, if you see in this, in the, uh, this next slide, it was, and we were standing in the city of David, which is just outside the ruins, uh, which is just outside the city wall, and you can see there, there's an ancient tomb that has been built on top of by people's houses. So people live right on top of these ancient tombs. It's such a contrast. Your mind actually can't get around it. So this is the problem that they face. The ancient ruins with all the modern sort of buildings around it. I mean, I kept thinking, how would we get to that little tomb? I mean, those people live right on top of that. Um, I think if you remember, you saw those, that picture Stan showed you um, the other day of that sort of spaceship-looking, um, in Capernaum, the spaceship-looking church, which is built right on top of Peter's house. Um, and, and that's all over the place. The Church of Annunciation is built on top of the rock that they believe the angel appeared to Mary in. So you're constantly seeing the modern and the old, the modern and the old, all the time, built on top of each other. But one of the most amazing tours that we did right at the beginning of our time in Jerusalem, um, and actually no one had told us about this tour, which um, was a bit surprising to us, but we sort of stumbled upon it, um, was a tour that we did. We did the Rampart Wall Tour, which was, it's a picture of Stan standing on the steps of one of the, um, of one of the walls. And I wanted just to chat a little bit about... Um, some of the lessons that I think the Rampart Wall Tour taught me about standing on the rock. Um, the first thing it taught me is, so they're quite, it's quite narrow. That picture actually is a little bit deceiving. It looks quite wide, those stairs. 
but it's not actually very wide. It's probably sort of almost as wide as your shoulders, maybe a little bit wider, the walls are, that are around the old city of Jerusalem. They're very spectacular. They were built um, by a Muslim gentleman, um, and they surround the whole of the old city. And you actually have to watch your step. That's what I put underneath that heading there. Because you can't, you, you're walking up and down stairs, you are, you've got to watch where you walk. It's not an even, the, the rocks are not even. If you see, have a look at those stairs there, the rocks are old rocks, so they're sort of positioned. They're like those old um, rocks that are positioned together on the, on the actual walls there. So you've got to, your head has to almost be looking down to see where you're stepping, otherwise you could fall. Um, and then you get given a lovely little booklet, and as you're walking, it tells you where to stop. If you can see at the top of the stairs there, there's like little turrets um, where you can stop and look through, and then it tells you to stop, and then you stop, and you have to lift your head, and you look outwards. And let me tell you, the view is magnificent. Because what you see, because you're now at a raised height, what you see outwards is the whole of Jerusalem. And now you're positioned in different ways around the city. And the little book tells you what you're looking at. It's very amazing, actually. So you're either looking through the little holes or there's a break in the wall and you look out and it shows you and it tells you what you're looking at. And I thought to myself, that's what it's like when you're standing on the rock of Christ. We have to lift our heads because the view is amazing. God gives us views when we're rooted on him. But sometimes we're so busy looking down, we forget to lift our heads and look at what the view is that he's got for us. And he's given us the little manual, the Bible. My Bible's in my bag, sorry. He's given us the manual, which helps us. We're following him on the path, and every now and then he says, okay, stop here. Lift your head and look. Look what I've got to show you. Because we can be secure. We can know. If we're following his path, I just prayed for somebody now. And I said to her, if you are following his path, you know that your feet are secure. The other thing about the city is it gives you amazing perspective. Because the other way that you look is you look inside the city. So now you're raised and you're above the city. And the city is divided into quarters, the Armenian, the Judaism, the Christianity, and the Muslim quarters. And now you look inside. It's quite amazing, actually. So the other thing it does, when you put your feet firmly on the rock, it gives you perspective. How many of us need perspective? Is there anybody here who doesn't need perspective in their life? Please come and tell me how you do it. We all need perspective in our lives. When your feet are standing on the rock of Christ, he gives you perspective. Gives you great perspective of all different areas of your life. All those quarters are very different and it's actually quite amazing. When you're standing there, you can almost see, for those of you who've been, I can see some of my friends who've been, it's, it's almost, you can actually, as you take one step, you can see you've moved into a different quarter. It's quite amazing. The houses change, the style, the design. The, I mean, it's actually quite incredible. You've gone from one street to the next and you realize you're in a different quarter. It's amazing. Perspective is amazing. The other thing, which the gentleman did not explain very well to us who gave us the tour, 
They have gates at the end of the north and south walls. You know those security gates that when you push the button, they only go one way? You know those gates that you go through, those turnstiles? Let me call them a turnstile gate. When you get to the end of the north wall, there's a button that you push and you go through and you can't go back. Now, he neglected to tell us that, so we started the tour, I think it was on the north wall, and we did the north wall gate walk, we got to the end, we pushed the button, we went out the gate, and then we had to go down the lion gate. I mean, how amazing, all these things you've read about in the Bible, actually there, it was amazing. And then we went, we walked up the other side, but we couldn't get through that gate because we actually should have started on the other way around. But it was fine, we came back the next night and we, we went on, the, on that, the south wall walk in the evening after we'd been to another church service. But I loved that because as I was preparing for today, it made me realize that when you're walking with the Lord and you're walking on the rock, he helps you go forward. You can't go back. You have to go forward. The turnstile goes one way. And I thought to myself, oh, that's, that's a clever thing, that gate. When you're walking with Jesus, you've got to draw a line in the sand. When your footing is sure on him, can't go back. You can't think, oh, I, I want to go back. Remember those Egyptians? They were like, gee, I want to go back. I'm sick of quail and manna. It was better in Egypt. Do you remember they said that? It was better in Egypt. Have, you, have we said that in our lives? I'd rather go back. But actually he says, no, no, you can't go back. You've actually got to go forward. We should have started on the south wall and done the south wall walk and then we could have pushed a button on that gate and got up on the north wall and carried on in the north way. The gentleman didn't tell us that. But it made me realize actually when you're walking on the wall, when you're standing on the rock with Jesus, the only way when you're walking with Jesus is to go forward. It was very encouraging. And then walls are for refuge. That's why they build walls around a city. It's high. You can see those turrets at the top behind stand there when their soldiers would stick their guns through those little turrets, they would defend the walls like that. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about refuge um, um, a little bit later on. Um, the next slide is actually when we did the south wall. Um, it was a picture of the ruins from the south wall looking down. Um, that actually when you've got perspective and you've got height, it helps you look back over things that have happened in your life and gives you better perspective of them, gives you better viewpoints. God can help you with things that have happened in your life. On that um, picture before, I also I had that Psalm 18 verse 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and my horn of my salvation, my high tower. Sure. That scripture became so real to me when I was standing on those rock, on those walls, realizing that he is all of those things for me. One of the other amazing places we visited was um, Masada. It's in the middle of the Judean desert. Um, very hot. <laughs> to the extent that we had our phones on a selfie stick. You know when it's so hot, your cell phone says, it's too hot, I'm turning off. That's what happened. It was so hot. Um, but on this picture, you'll see there's two. The first picture on the, the left is a model of Masada. Um, incredible model. 
And on the right is the actual picture that we took, which is of the model. Um, Masada is an incredible place. I learned two things, three things there. I learned about foundations, I learned about refuge, and I learned about fear. Masada was built by King Herod, an amazing king, actually, King Herod the Great. He was known as the king, the builder king. Oh, my word, did he build. Well, maybe not him, all the engineers that were around him. He built unbelievable things during his reign, unbelievable temples, palaces, and a lot of those foundations are still standing, which made me think about foundations. It made me think about that beautiful scripture in Hebrews 11 verse 10 that speaks about Abraham. Talks, remember Hebrews 10 is that, uh, Hebrews 11 is that beautiful scripture talking about all our faith warriors. And it speaks about Abraham who says, he was a man who was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And when you walk around Jerusalem and you look at all those foundations that have been torn down and rebuilt upon and rebuilt upon, it makes you think about foundations. It makes you think about the things you're building in your life. Think about the things you're building in your church, in your family, in your workplace. What are your foundations like? How firm are your foundations? It's challenging. The scripture um, for me in um, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 13, maybe you could just put that one up and go back to that. It's, um, it says, I like an architect who knows his job, by the grace of God given me, lay the foundation. Someone else builds upon it. I only say this, let the builder be careful how he builds. The foundation is already laid. No one else can lay a foundation using, um, for it is Jesus Christ himself. But any man who builds on this foundation using his own material, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, but no, must know that each man's work will one day be shown for what it is. The day will show it plainly enough, for the day will arise in a blaze of fire, and that fire will prove the nature of each man's work. If the work that the man has built upon the foundation will stand this test, he will be rewarded. But if a man's work will be destroyed under the test, he will lose it all. He personally will be safe, though rather like a man rescued from a fire. Sorry, I think I've got a different thing up at the top there. But it's challenging. Are we building upon the foundation of Christ? Or are you building upon another foundation? As I say, Masada, um, maybe you can go back to that other picture. Masada is, you can only access it by cable car. Um, there is a walk that you can do like Table Mountain, it's called the Snake Walk. I was so grateful it was too hot to walk it. San was like, wouldn't it be amazing to walk up there? I mean, I looked at him, I was like, are you mad? He, I was so grateful. In the heat, they actually closed the walk down because it's too hot to walk. I said, no, you can come back and walk it with your sons. I'm not walking that walk. So I was very grateful. We could only get up there by um, cable car. But um, the other thing about foundations, um, just another, there, there's another picture there. 
that, you know, foundations have to stand the test of storms. Um, in this other picture, there was, we were at King David's city just outside the, as, as I said, just outside the city walls. And a few years ago, about 10 years ago, they had incredible floods in Jerusalem. And those ruins there were actually under a car park. Can you believe it? There was a car park there, and they had this incredible flood in Jerusalem, and the car park washed away and exposed all these ruins that they are now excavating. Um, and it made me think, gee whiz, if the floods come, what is my foundation going to stand? It's a challenge, friends. However, back to Masada. Herod actually built Masada as his haven. He built it as his haven to get away from the hustle and bustle of Jerusalem. Um, but he didn't just, you see how he built it on the side of that rock? He built it on an impenetrable rock because he wanted it to be his place of refuge to get away from the hustle and bustle of Jerusalem. But he actually built it like that because out of fear. Because he didn't trust that um, if he was under siege, he knew that, that he would be safe there, that nobody could actually reach him. Um, and if any of you have watched that movie Masada, when the Jewish people were under attack, they ran to Masada, to the mountain, and um, they actually held themselves up in that palace for four to seven months. And it was such a palatial palace, his storehouses, they were able to live off his storehouses for months because he stored so much food and so much stuff in that space um, that actually they were able to stay there. So for him, he ran there out of fear because he didn't trust, he had to trust in himself. He couldn't trust in anybody else. He had to trust in himself. But for us, when God talks about him being our refuge, like in Psalm 31 verse 3, he says, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue and be my rock of refuge. Standing on the top of the massive mountain of Masada, I understood this analogy better than ever before. Many of you might have been to the mountains, to the berg. I feel the Father in those places. You feel his majestic, his magnificence. And I understand when he says, I will be your refuge. I will be your rock. Come to me there. But we are different to Herod because we can run to him and he can be our refuge. We can take our fear to him in that place. But the amazing thing for us is we get to leave our fear there and we get to be free in that space. It was amazing, the worship this morning. I was, I was singing to my heart's content. I just was so, I was just saying, Lord, I'm so grateful for corporate worship. Singing is not one of my gifts. You can ask my children. They will tell you. But I love the fact that in worship, nobody can hear me sing. You all sing so beautifully. And I can sing to my heart's content. And nobody can hear me. And um, I was just thinking when, when those words came of freedom and I just thought, Lord, we can run to you, our rock of refuge, 
And we can bring all our fears, all the storms that we're going through, and we get to leave free. Because he's our rock. That's what he is. I just thought that, to me, is just the most amazing thing. So we can sit like this girl. doesn't matter if you've got a fear of heights. We can sit and know that he is our place of refuge. We don't have to make a, mount, make a refuge palace on the side of a mountain because we're scared of what man's going to do to us. He can be our refuge wherever we are because that's what he says he will do. And if we move to the New Testament, Jesus often used the analogy of rocks again. We all know the story, Sunday school story of the wise and the foolish builder building on sand, your house when the storms come, or building on the rock. Again, like when we were talking about the armor of God, and it it didn't say if the storms come, it said when. Not if the rains come when your house is built, when the rain comes. In 1 Peter 2, it speaks of the choice we get to make as believers. You either get to choose the rock of Jesus or you get to not choose him. He either gets to be a a rock that we stand on or he gets to be a stumbling stone that we trip over. In 1 Peter 2, it says... As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also are like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they are destined for. Sometimes, the trials of life the storms of life can knock us down to our knees sometimes we can be lying on our backs I think the important things at these times is to still remember that regardless of our position what's underneath us is sound secure true and firm it's the rock of ages some people might be feel like they are clinging. I have learned to kiss the waves that throw me up against the rock of ages. This is a Charles Spurgeon quote. And I feel today that some people might be on their knees. Some people might be flat on their backs. But from the prayer today through to the contributions this morning, through to the work, from the worship that we started with, I want to encourage you today to stand on the rock of ages. And if you don't know the rock of ages, you have an opportunity today to know the rock of ages. 
And if you are on your knees, we are here as a community to help you stand, to remind you that you have the armor of Christ on you already, to help you lock our shields with you so you can advance forward. Remember the gate only goes one way. You can't go back. We will help you stand and we will help you move forward. So can I encourage you today to place your anchor in the rock because you will be tossed. The waves, unfortunately, will still come. But that's okay because we are rooted and grounded on the rock of ages. Thank you.